Hello, this is the audio version of the Better Strangers Book Rex for Monday, April 10th. Uh, today we're talking about A Paradise Built in Hell, uh, which is a book on disaster utopias and what we get wrong about human nature. It's uh, read and written by me, Matt Hirschberger. Um, if you aren't subscribed or if you're new to this, uh, please share, like, um, I believe I've opened the comments on this one. I sometimes make it for paid subscribers only. If you can do a paid subscription, that'd be awesome. Uh, anyway, here is the article. I was going to publish something different today, but then my video last week about disaster utopias on TikTok got a quarter of a million views in 24 hours, so welcome to my new followers. For the older followers, the video is in the article up at the top. Um, it's kind of about, well, it's about what we're about to talk about. So, it's a short video. Uh, I feel like delving into the book uh, it was based on would be helpful for fleshing out some of the questions that people had in the comments. So, without further ado, let's discuss Rebecca Solnit's A Paradise Built in Hell. If you've been following me for a while, I have talked about this several times in the newsletter and elsewhere, um, but, you know, I think it's still worth checking out. As usual, if you click on the link through the website, it takes you to bookshop.org, which means uh, it's an affiliate link, so I get a small kickback if you buy through there. That's one of the ways you can support this publication. Um, bookshop.org supports local bookstores. I will never link to Amazon. So, Solnit's book is based upon the work of disaster study scientists. This field really took off during the Cold War when the United States government realized it needed information on how people responded in the event of disasters in case there was ever a nuclear war and they needed to restore order. The post-World War II view of human nature was bleak, which was understandable. We'd just been through two meat grinder wars, we were uncovering the horrors of the Holocaust, new and terrifying forms of totalitarian government were arising in the forms of both fascism and Soviet-style communism, and the old empires were violently crumbling. Also, we seemed to be on the brink of literally destroying all life on Earth. But what people tended to do with this information was view it as an indictment of human nature rather than as an indictment of power itself. The Holocaust could be chalked up to original sin and man's dark nature rather than to totalitarianism, racism, and mass propaganda. What the findings of disaster studies showed was the opposite. When something terrible happened and order crumbled, people consistently, spontaneously organized to help each other out. The response was more or less instinctive and did not require centralized organization. This is obviously relevant to us when we talk about the climate change catastrophe or uh, any of the other things that are kind of going on in our society right now. So media myths in disasters. Solnit's book looks at five separate disaster case studies and compares the similarities and differences. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake, the Halifax munitions explosion of 1917, the Mexican earthquake of 1986, which resulted in the toppling of decades of one-party rule, 9-11, and Hurricane Katrina. In each of these situations, spontaneous, decentralized disaster responses appeared. In the earthquakes and the explosion, people joined together to dig, out of the, dig people out of the rubble and distribute food and water. In the hurricane and in 9-11, people with boats spontaneously organized rescue crews. The reason people think that there's so much violence and chaos during these events is that that's what the press usually tells them what the, the, what the press usually tells them is going on. Predictably, the first comment on my disaster video brought up the quote, "rapes in the Superdome after Katrina." It was worse than the commenter suggested. The reports, which were amplified by both the mayor of New Orleans and the chief of police for the city, were that babies were being raped and that at least one infant had its throat slit. Chris Kyle, the mass murderer glorified in the book and movie American Sniper, reported that he camped on top of the Superdome to murder looters, quote-unquote, with his sniper rifle. 
The problem is that there is no evidence that these stories were ever true. The press simply reported on rumors as if they were fact without bothering to confirm them. While the disaster response in the Superdome was its very own disaster, there have never been any corroborated reports of rapes and certainly none of infanticide during the Superdome debacle. These stories were used as justification for a mass police crackdown after the hurricane and were also used as an excuse for a sheriff in a nearby parish to basically tell his deputized white vigilantes that they could murder black people that they saw fleeing the floods through their neighborhoods. Maybe the third comment was from an actual Louisianan who said that he'd lived there long enough to know that in a hurricane, help was not coming from the authorities, but rather from his neighbors and from the Cajun Navy, which is a real thing. You should look it up. It's amazing. Reports of looting, disaster studies have consistently found, are overreported and often include people looting stuff like food. This is obviously unfair, as in a disaster, much of that food would spoil, and it makes sense for people to requisition it so they don't starve. These exaggerated or totally fabricated horror stories are used by authorities as reasons they need to reexert their authority and control over the situation, and which often results in repression and violence not from ordinary people, but from the state. Now, the powerful people in our society have always needed the threat of chaos and disorder to scare us into thinking we need them. And this is not to say that there aren't benefits to our current society. I enjoy quite a bit about modern civilization. But if the premise of our society is that without benevolent rulers, life would be, quote, nasty, brutish, and short, as the pro-monarchy philosopher Thomas Hobbes said, then our society is built upon a lie. None of this is to say that humans aren't capable of horrific acts of violence and cruelty. It's just to say that these acts are often not expressions of our most basic human nature, but instead are a result of unequal power structures. A white man believes that the black man coming down the street in the midst of a hurricane is coming to loot him because of what he's seen on TV, so he shoots them. The reason behind this murder are racism and misinformation from the media and the police. These are both expressions of power, not necessarily of that man's human nature. What this also shows is that the way you behave is influenced by the way you, by what you believe. If you believe people are untrustworthy and are coming to hurt you, you're likely to stock up on guns and eventually hurt someone in an act of quote-unquote self-defense. But if you believe people are usually trying to help, then you're more likely to pitch in yourself and try to be a part of a collaborative solution. The good news is that we know humans are social creatures and have been self-organizing dynamic solutions to difficult problems since before we first stood erect. Some people like to argue that this is proof that humans are inherently communist or that they are inherently anarchist. But it's equally true that humans have always organized power structures and hierarchies, and they have always engaged in things like competition. Which makes the truth about human nature far more interesting. If we have communism and capitalism, anarchy and totalitarianism, all within us, if there is no one way which we inherently are, then it is all just a choice. So tell me, which would you choose? That's it for this uh, for today. I will talk to you guys on Wednesday.